0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Inside Inter-Miami, the Miami Herald's Inter-Miami show. I'm your host, Andre Fernandez, Deputy Sports Editor at the Herald, joined once again by my co-host, Inter-Miami beat writer, Michelle Kaufman, who just hit the ground in Miami back from Chicago, a trip that, you know, was not good for Inter-Miami, unfortunately. I mean, we're following this team, hoping that they can somehow sneak in the playoffs, and they're in a 1-1 battle. And all of a sudden, it's like the roof caves in against Chicago. Three goals in an 11-minute span and a costly defeat where now, you know, Lionel Messi looking like he may come back soon. So a lot to cover in this episode. Michelle, welcome back from Chicago. Wish it was under better circumstances for the home team.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was uh, you know, it was crazy. First of all, the number of people that were there to see Messi at Soldier Field, they had yeah. a, a record crowd. Uh, they they broke the all-time record, 62,124 people, 62,124 wow. through the turnstiles to watch that game. They've never had a crowd that big in Chicago player history.
0: That's awesome.
1: No, Lucy. Uh, anyway. And uh, so, you know, but they were almost all wearing messy shirts. I mean, I would say that maybe three quarters of the crowd was there to see messy and, you know, even though there had been the reports that he might not play and whatever, it had, you know, was doubtful, questionable, whatever. This fans were still holding out hope. They had already spent the money on these tickets. I spoke to some fans, you know, who had bought these tickets back in June and July. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk of inner Miami's, you know, just trying to bamboozle the fans so that they'll buy the tickets. In this case, more than 55,000 tickets were already sold by the end of August before he was even injured. So these tickets were already paid for, spoken for before Leo Messi got injured. So these are people who have been buying tickets from the minute he signed in June, July, August. um, And they wanted to see Messi. What they saw instead, they didn't see Messi. What they saw was the fire on fire. And actually their coach, Frank Clopas, said this is the best thing that could have happened to their club because they average 14,000 people per game. And they've been trying to build their following. And all of a sudden they had 62,000 people captive in that building and they got to see the Chicago fire score four goals in the second half and beat enter Miami, even though Messi wasn't there. Jordi Alba wasn't there. Leo Campana wasn't there, but, you know, Sergio Busquets was there and Joseph Martinez and other players. They're, they're kind of a glamor team. Uh, You know, the Miami team is always sort of seen as a glamor type team. So, you know, Frank Klobos was saying it was really the best thing that could have happened for the fire because all of those fans who were there for the first time, uh, they were exposed to their team. And maybe they'll come back. And they and he said maybe next time they won't be coming just for the Inter-Miami game. Maybe they'll come next season and watch a few games for the Chicago Fire. So it was great for them. It was terrible <laughs> for Inter-Miami. Yeah, Excuse it me. was.
0: I mean, I mean they, they basically, the, Bear, mm-hmm. the way the Bears are playing, they're not going to get a better crowd than that at that place all season. It's kind of like the effect, like when the Marlins host the Yankees and all of a sudden the attendance goes from like 5,000 to like 35,000. So good one for the fire and a crucial win for the fire who now are in that eighth spot solidifies them. But yeah, you were about to say, Michelle, this with precious few games left, three to go, a very costly loss. What happened?
1: Very costly. They just, they really fell apart. I mean, they were, they were, Tied 0-0 at halftime. You're saying, okay, you know, they're they're in there. They're tied 0-0. Then Chicago Fire scores pretty early in the second half. But then Joseph Martinez scores right away on a PK. So it's 1-1. They're even. They're level. It's 1-1. But then the wheels came off. I mean, the one of the things that Tata said afterward is that he had been using five in the back pretty much. He decided to go four. And he kind of admitted that that maybe that was not the best system to use because they got caught in transition a lot. You know, they they seem to be a time a team that's exhausted um, from all of the games that they've played with going to the final and winning the league's cup and then going to the final of the U.S. Open Cup and then all of these games and with the injuries that they've had, uh, a lot of guys have had to play a lot of minutes and they look exhausted. They look a little bit gassed. And so when the other team, when it gets into a transition game, uh, the other team seems to have more speed than they do going up the field and they're chasing. And uh, that was, you know, they got caught. And then the other thing that happened was that they had two excellent opportunities, and Tata mentioned this too. They had two opportunities to make it 2-1. to one. When it was tied 1-1, one, one, um, you know, Facundo Farias had an outstanding clear chance to score. And he went wide. He just did not make a good shot. That would have put it up 2-1. to one. It would have changed the momentum of the game. And then Ben Harkomaski, who who did save a goal earlier with a great defensive play. But in this case, when he had a chance to put them up 2-1, to one, he also failed to convert the, the goal. So they had two opportunities to take the lead. They didn't get either one. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, the Chicago Fire, uh, one of their subs, Halle Selassie scores twice in three minutes in a three-minute span. He came in off the bench and scored two goals in three minutes. So the next thing you know, it's three to one. And then all of a sudden it became four to one. I mean, it was just everything fell apart. The the defense was just weak, big open spaces. They were chasing. uh, And then on the other end, they just they couldn't finish. And, you know, the truth is, even when Busquets is there, which he was there, It's not the same. He has telepathy with Jordi Alba and with Leo Messi from all the years they played together at FC Barcelona. So when the three of them are on the field, as they were for the 12-game unbeaten streak, remember that? Remember when we were talking about, is anybody going to beat the team? They're going to go undefeated the rest of the season. Is anyone going to beat them? That's how we were talking, because they went 12 games unbeaten. They went 12 games unbeaten with Messi since his injury. They have one win, three losses, and two ties. So they're yeah. a very different team with him injured. And then with Jordi Alba also missing the last three games, you know, he is a key player, also. So, you know, you had when the three of them were healthy, you have a world class left back, a world class center field middle midfielder in the middle of the field, and then you've got a world class. Leo Messi, best of all time, GOAT, all that. The three of them working it together, from the back of the field to the center to the front, the way they connected, not just the three of them, but the spaces that they opened up for all the other players. When you're missing two of the big three, you know, it's like the Miami Heat, you had three stars. When you're missing two of the three stars, it is not the same team. Yeah, it's, it's not the same thing. It's,
0: it's like the orchestra no. is, is, is out of the out of tune. Like there's no, you know, you have the one person there, but it all you need them all to be in sync, all working, and it's just not. And that's the frustrating thing. No, you part could because, just tell. Yeah. yeah,
1: you could just tell that they weren't organized. They just weren't as yeah. organized, they weren't as confident either, because when The other players have said all along that when Messi is on the field and when the three of them are on the field, they all feel like their game is elevated because they feel a great sense of confidence, a boost of confidence. And when they're not there, that's missing. So they were a team that was, you know, they were struggling. They were missing all their lead, you know, they were missing their leaders. They were also missing Campana, who was also out injured. He may be able to come back this week. We'll find out tomorrow for for the game on Saturday. Uh, But yeah, last night was. It was a disaster. I mean, it was very sad for the fans who went to see Messi and didn't get to see him. they all showed up in their pink shirts and in their Argentina shirts. They didn't get to see their hero. Uh, The Chicago fans were happy because they won four to one. The Chicago management and coaches were thrilled because they got to expose 62000 people to a team that normally draws 14000. And they got to move up in the in the standings for the playoffs to eighth place. So, you know, for them it was a great game. For Inter Miami, it was really a disaster. And uh, you know, and now going forward, what I'm hearing and what I'm writing today is that uh it looks like Messi will play on Saturday, you know, unless he has a setback. Um, I am hearing and all of the thing, all of the, the signs are pointing to a Saturday return, and then he would go off to the Argentine national team. He was called up to the Argentina national team today. He's on the list, as is FACU, Farias. They are both on the list. So both of them would leave probably Sunday to go to the national team of Argentina, which has games against Paraguay and against Peru. And the Peru game is the 17th, and Inter-Miami's next game against Charlotte at home after Saturday would be on the 18th. So, I don't think that Leo Messi and Farias would be able to play in Peru on the 17th and fly back and play no. on the 18th. I think they would have to miss that game. So, yeah. I think a lot of things are probably going to depend on what happens on Saturday. Are they still mathematically alive? Are they eliminated? Um, you know, we're going to find out a lot on Saturday, but I do think the signs are pointing. To Messi finally making a return, not well, Jordi Alba yet, but Messi, right. yes.
0: Well, that's a, that's a good that's good news on both fronts, you know, for the fans and for obviously for the team. But this fatigue thing concerns me, Michelle. I mean, even if they do get Messi back, I mean, well, for starters, is Messi going to be typical Messi? You know, coming off this injury, not playing for a while, and then, I mean, yeah, they, they've been playing all these matches, intense, brutal, championship level. I mean, the playoffs, basically a playoff setting every single match for so long has this team run out of gas i mean with or without him that's the big question and then cincinnati is one of the best teams in mls and then it's unfortunate because let's say he comes back and he's his usual magical self and they pull off a win but then he's out the door with the other guys and now they've they've shown they can't really consistent they can't really win without him and then they're gonna have to to even have a prayer of getting in the playoffs against charlotte at the at the end
1: yeah, Cincinnati is a really tough one to get right now. I mean, the only saving grace for them maybe is that they clinched the supporter shield already as the mm-hmm. team with the best record in MLS for the season. They right. Cincinnati has the best record of all the teams in MLS. And Miami, if you'll recall, this is a replay, a rematch of the uh, U.S. Open Cup semifinal, which was a very exciting game. It went down to PK shootout and Miami won. But it was super close. It was in Cincinnati. The Cincinnati fans were insane and they ended up losing in a very close game. So, A, a they will be motivated to avenge that loss. That was a painful loss for them in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal. On the other hand, not only have they already clinched the playoffs, they're in first place in the East. They also have already clinched Supporter Shield as the best record in the league. Uh, will they rest some of their players? You know, that's a question. Will, will Cincinnati bring all of their top players to start or will they rest some guys now that they already know that they've clinched and they're already, you know, supporter shield winners and everything. We don't know what kind of Cincinnati team will be, how motivated will they be? They will be motivated. I think, especially if Messi's playing, they will want to beat them after having lost to them uh, in the U S open cup semifinal, but Miami is getting a very, very good Cincinnati team. Very, very good. As we saw in the U S open cup semifinal and then, like you said, if Messi comes back and checks the whole team with energy, everybody's so excited. He's back. Leo is back. Leo's back. And then Sunday, boom, yep. boards an airplane and goes to Buenos Aires. And it's like, ugh,
0: you know, yep. they're
1: out of the tires. And <laughs> it's like they inflate the tires of the car and then they deflate the tires. Just stick a big fat needle, stick a big yep. nail in that tire and, and deflate again, because it is deflating. It's deflating for the fans. It's deflating for his teammates. Um, you know, it's deflating for everybody involved in MLS. What about Apple? What about Apple that paid $2.5 and is banking on all these people who bought subscriptions to watch Messi play? And he has missed six of the last seven games. He has right. played exactly 37 minutes since September 3rd. Since September 3rd, okay, we're now into october into the first week deep into the first week of october he has played only 37 minutes since september 3rd so you know apple is not getting the messy show that they wanted mls yeah. is not getting the messy show that they wanted and, and for sure inter miami is not getting what what they were getting for 12 games in a row so it's been you can't even it, you cannot overstate what a big loss it's been and how deflating it's been to to have him missing for so many games.
0: Yeah, because more than more than the team, it's like it's a league signing with with MLS, and they're not getting the return for their investment. I mean, it is what it is. It's an injury. Whatever's kept them out, but it's just super unfortunate, obviously. But I mean, Michelle, if they don't make it, I mean, let's look at the playoff situation for a second. I mean, they're still right now at thirty three points. They're third. They're five points still behind. Uh, Montreal, was at, at nine. yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, with three games left, nine points available, you pretty much realistically have to win all three, or you should win all three to have a good chance. But, I mean, do you having won the league's cup, having come so close to winning the U.S. Open Cup, had it you know had 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 it been with him and everything, would it have gone better? Maybe they win the championship of that too. If they fall short, is this season? still a success is it still or do you, do they consider it kind of a letdown?
1: Well, you know, I think if you measure it by the big picture of what they of what they accomplished from July 21st until October 21st, which is three months, if you if you judge the season based on what they did in totality, from July 21st to October 21st, you know, there are successes and achievements there. The team won the League's Cup. They went on a 12-game unbeaten streak. They won the League's Cup. They made it to the final of the U.S. Open Cup. They had to play it without the best player in the world. Uh, you know, they. so that was a struggle. And then, you know, they are still with three games to go. They have a chance. They are still alive if they win the three games. And some other things have to happen. By the way, if they just win the three and end up with 42 points, that may not be enough. You know, other teams are going to have to lose that are between them and ninth place. So, but still, they're in the picture. They're not mathematically eliminated. Some teams are already eliminated, like Toronto. They are not eliminated. They're still alive with three games left. Uh, They won a League's Cup. They made it to the U.S. Open Cup. The team was playing much prettier soccer when they were on that run. They were really, really fun to watch. Everybody was enjoying watching them play, um, you know, and obviously created all the buzz and all the excitement and, you know, the ticket sales and the, and the Jersey sales and all that stuff. So I guess if you judge it by what they did from the time the, the overhaul started in early July, I would say it's, it's a success. The thing is, it would the season is going to end on a downer. You know, it's like all the success was between July and August and then September and October were just like, like, you know, (laughs) like super exciting for July and August. And then all of a sudden September came and, you know, they went down a slide. And, you know, so did they succeed? Have they achieved a lot? Yes, they have. They really have, especially considering Tata came in and all these players were new to the league. And we're not just talking about the big three. We're talking about the young 22, the under 22s, Farias, Aviles um, and Gomez. Those three players were brand new to the league. They were thrown to the fire right away. You have a guy like Benja, Benja Kramaski, David Ruiz. You know, these are really young players, teenagers, 20 year olds that were thrown to the fire. Uh, they've all really shown that they're good players. They have a lot of promise. So I think in general, as a whole, you would say that it's a success, but if they end up, you know, losing the next few games and and going out on a five game losing streak or something like that, or, you know, five losses and a tie or something, that's going to really be, it's just going to be demoralizing to end the season that way, you know, uh, It would be good if they could get some, if something good could happen over the next three games that would lift the team's spirits. You know, the team, a lot of the fans are also down about the raising of the ticket prices. Some of them are down because of the whole uncertainty about, you know, why have they waited to to say what is Messi's injury exactly? And they kept saying day to day to day to day, but, you know, he's been out for weeks now. So there's been a lot of frustration, I guess I would say. From, from certain segment of the fan base that feel, A, frustrated that they don't know how injured Messi was and when he was going to come back, and B, that they, you know, felt that the 100% increase plus for the ticket prices was also very steep. So, you know, if if, if the team also ends on a big slide at the end of the season, that will not be great for the morale Of the fans or the team, really. But if they can come out and do a couple, you know, win a couple of games at the end here out of the three uh, or win all three or win two out of the three. You know, I I think you would say overall that the people would have to objectively say that the season has been a success.
0: Let's play a couple hypotheticals then. Let's say that does happen. They miss the playoffs. And like you said, right now, it's oh, my God, now I got to pay 400 bucks to go see them next year and all that stuff how does Jorge Moss and those guys, wait, wait, 800, 800, 800, sorry, maybe oh, I'm thinking for season seats. Tickets.
1: Yeah, the, the, cheap the cheapest, the cheapest, <laughs> the cheapest, uh, yeah, the cheapest season ticket this yeah. year was it, you know, in the end, in the, in the end zone seats in the North stands and South stands. Right. Um, Those were like $444, yeah. um, which was $28 per ticket for a season ticket in the, in the end zones. Um, They doubled it. So now it's eight eighty eight, which is, you know, it's 52, Per right. ticket. And, you know, they felt, and it's on par with NFL and NBA. It is, um, it, it's actually much cheaper. You know, it's on par. Fif, you know, $52 is, is a reasonable price for an American professional league, NFL and NBA. Um, on the other hand, some people argue, well, those are the two best leagues of those sports. And MLS is not the top league in the world in its sport. But if you look at the US, oh you know, professional oh sports, it is on par. Oh but, but yeah, I just think that um, you know, I think that uh, it'll be a downer for the fans if they don't go ahead and win a couple of games at the end here.
0: No, what, what I meant by hypothetical was how do how does Jorge Mas and these guys like how how do they keep the excitement going? I mean, it's going to take what's it going to take? Like just signing players in the off season, kind of keep that going forward. If this does end on a like you said on a big Debbie downer, you know them missing the postseason and everything else you know how do they keep that how do they keep the rocks the rock star show going how do they keep the excitement going toward next season and now this offseason coming up
1: yeah you know I think that the uh, the narrative will be 2024 this is our real you know that was just like a that was an introduction to the new Inter-Miami, to the new era, quote unquote, the messy era, the messianic area, like I call it, messianic era. Um, you know, I think that they will try to present it. The narrative will be that, you know, all of these changes were made in July when two thirds of the season was already over. They really only had one third of the season to write the ship. And they did write, you know, the ship. The ship does seem to be – the compass is pointed in the right direction. They have Leo Messi. Uh, you know, they didn't have a preseason. They will now – they're going to They're gonna really push this narrative, I'm sure, of, you know, starting in January, they're going to have an, a, 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 a true preseason, which they didn't have. These guys just came in, boom, off vacation and off finishing their seasons elsewhere. And Tata just came in to, the, to coach, in the, you know, in the middle of July. And all of a sudden, you know, they're in the thick of the league's cup. And then they're in the thick of the U S open cup. And then they're in the thick of the run for the playoffs. So I think the narrative will be, we're sorry that it ended this way, but look at all we did. And let's, let's look toward the first full season that we're going to have together. 2024 is going to be our year. 2024 is going to be when all these guys are going to be able to train together in the off season and get ready together. And I'm sure there will be, You know, a few changes on the roster that will be exciting. They'll probably try to get a forward. Um, You know, I don't know what's going to happen with Joseph Martinez, if he'll stay or not. His contract is up. Um, Campana will stay because, you know, they signed him to a contract extension. They just signed Kamal Miller the other day to a contract extension. I thought that was a good move. Um, So, you know, they've got a good nucleus of a team. They've got these three superstars, the three new under-22 initiative guys some of the young teenagers from, you know, from the Miami team that were here from the Academy. And yeah, they'll fill in some spots and, you know, maybe get a couple of signings that excite people. And then I just think the narrative is going to be join us in 2024 for the first full season. This is when we're really going to be the new and improved inter Miami. You just got a taste. You just got a taste of what we can be now. Imagine if we do that for a whole season.
0: Now it's for real. Now we're going to win three trophies, everybody—not just one—that'll be their selling point. But let's put now. That's for the negative side. Now let's do the positive hypothetical. Michelle, they beat Cincinnati this weekend, maybe with Messi. Let's say that happens. Tactically, putting on putting on your uh, your your visor of looking at this team, maybe a little more like it was pre-Messi. Tactically, how do they beat Charlotte to keep this thing alive without him? To then maybe get in.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard. They have to beat Charlotte twice. They'd yeah. have to beat them at home on next Wednesday, on the following Wednesday after the break, and then they would have to beat them three days later on turf in Charlotte. Right. Um, so they have to beat the same opponent back-to-back, one at home, one on turf, and the game here would likely be without Messi, without Fadias, without possibly – I don't know if Kamal Miller – I'm not sure. I have to check if Canada has any games – you know, they may be losing him. Uh, Drake Callender is, was not called up for the U.S. national team for this window. So Drake was not called up. Yedlin was not called up. And Ben Hakremasky also was not called up. So those three guys are going to be available. Busquets will be available. Jordi Alba, they are pointing to that Charlotte game for his return. He's probably going to return to practice next week. And they are hoping, hopeful, that he would maybe make his return against against Charlotte on the 18th. So that would be a big, you know, bonus for them if he can play. Um, you know, they they've really struggled without Messi. But having Jordy back would be big. I think then you've got two of the big three. OK, um, and not as many guys are going on national team duty as did the last time because the American players were not called up. Um I don't, hopefully, I don't know for them if Campana, you know, if Campana gets called up or not, that's going to depend also on if he plays on, you know, if if he, how he looks, is he healthy? Are they going to leave him off the roster again? Um, They're going to have to get, they're going to have to, first of all, I think he will probably play five in the back because the four in the back experiment did not work very well against Chicago. Um, I think they're going to have to really have a wall to make sure that when the other team counters and when they're in transition, that this team, which is gassed and exhausted and doesn't really have as much speed, you know, when you when you don't have Jordy Alba, when you have, um, you know, you've got Noah Allen, Kristoff, who's not a speedster, uh, Bus- Busquets is not a speedster, you know, Kamal Miller, not necessarily a speedster either. He's a terrific player, but not a speed guy yedlin is a speed guy but he's looked a little bit tired he's been chasing a little bit which is not like him uh because he's one of the fastest guys on the team so you know i think there is an exhaustion factor that has definitely come into it and mentally exhausted like you said before this has been every game has been a must-win game every game is a critical game a critical game a critical game one after the other after the other and uh now if they win against Cincinnati. And they're facing another one of these must win or were eliminated against Charlotte. But again, without Messi, they're going to have to figure out how to get the energy, play five and back so that they're not as vulnerable to the counterattack. And they've got to finish their chances. I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but they've got to when they have those clear chances right in front of the goal They've got to put it in the back of the net. I mean, I know, again, easier said than done. I'm not saying I could do it, but this is what they're paid to do. This is what the forwards are paid to do. So uh, they're going to have to improve a lot from what they showed against Chicago if, they, if they're if they going to win any games for the next three, but especially if they have to play without Messi again.
0: Yeah, that's where you missed the world-class striker there. That can do that for you. But I think I think the bigger point, you made a great point, is the defensive help on the back i mean the formation changed because yeah you can't keep getting burned like that and and the fatigue is a major concern right now it's like putting that extra safety and football back there like you can't let the other team's blazers keep getting past you that 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 was very alarming to see that happening over and over again to them so if they don't fix that up they don't shore that part up then again i don't just don't i just don't see it happening even if The comforting thing, though, is like you said. I think I think you called them. What did you call them? The young three. A couple of members of the young three will be available. The young three.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that that helps. At least you have a little bit of reinforcements. You know, going into that game. You know, assuming uh, they're able to play uh, there. So before our next episode, we'll have already. uh, They'll have already played Cincinnati. They'll have already played that first one against Charlotte. So we'll know, Michelle. We'll know by the next time we're doing this if they're uh, still alive or call it a season pretty much at that point but yeah I, they um, will
1: be eliminated you know. if, if for the going into the Cincinnati, going into the Cincinnati game mathematically there's a million permutations but they could be eliminated Saturday if they lose and two of three other scenarios happen involving Montreal NYCFC and, and Chicago um, they could be eliminated if they lose and two out of three of those scenarios happen. Otherwise, they could still be alive. Even with a tie, they could still be alive. That game against Charlotte would then become the do or die game, and then you know that game will determine everything. That the final game may be irrelevant um, after the Cincinnati game and the and the first Charlotte game. That last game on turf at the end of the season, they may already be out of it by then. Um, So it's going to be very interesting. They they basically it's tough. They have to make up five spots five points in three games so it's it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough tall task at least with Messi though I feel like anything is possible if he's at his best and like you just said he has only played 37 minutes since September 3rd so how is he going to look he hasn't even been training full training he's been doing little trainings off to the side So is he going to come in and be able to just waltz right in and be the messy that he was in July and August? Or is he going to be a little bit tentative because he wants to play in Argentina? So is he going to really go all out in this Cincinnati game? Or is he going to preserve and be a little bit, you know, is he going to reserve some energy and some, you know, because he wants to go play in Argentina. So, you know, there's a lot riding on this. There's a lot on his mind. We don't get to talk to him. So I can't ask him. What are his priorities? How does he feel? Does he feel 100%? Does he feel 80%? Does he feel 70%? We have no idea how he feels going into this game, if he plays at all. I think he is going to play, but, again, how many minutes is he going to play? How does he feel when he plays? Does he pull up? Does he start playing and make a sprint? What if he makes a sprint and then all of a sudden pulls up and that's it and comes out of the
0: game? Uh, There's just a lot of unknowns. Hamstrings are like that. I mean, it, it, we know that. that They take a while to heal, and they could easily be re-aggravated. So that's that's definitely a concern. They, that That's, you know, off topic. That's the frustrating part. Like, you cover any other celebrity, any other superstar, and you have so much more access. Even if they maybe they, they're coy and they hide their status, but you can at least ask them every couple of days, let's say. But like you said, he's only spoken, what? Still one. the one time, right? That's it. One time and on August like, so 17th.
1: Mark your now, calendar. Yeah. August 17th. He got here the first week of July. (laughs) We are now in the first week of October. Three months. He has spoken one time to the media on August 17th. So we have not had a chance to ask him how he feels. We have not had a chance to ask him actually what is the injury because, because Tata keeps saying that it is an old scar injury like a scar tissue injury that got aggravated and and you know the most specific that he got when i pressed him about what is the injury actually and i said to him that i do campos there are two camps there's the hamstring camp because someone put out on twitter the other day who said that they had a source that, that it was a two centimeter tear of the hamstring. Mm. And then other, and then other people said, no, Tata has been saying that it's an, a scar injury, cicatriz. He keeps mm. using the word cicatriz, but cicatriz right. is a scar. A scar exactly. uh, you know, it's hard to believe. He just has like a scar on top of its skin that's hurting him. <laughs> and, you know, he, I think it's some kind of scar tissue thing. And what, and what Tata said the other day is that with this scar injury, this is what he said in his words, with the scar type injury, It could open up if he's not careful. That's how he worded it, that it could open up and become serious. And that's why they are being so cautious. And basically, when he says it's day to day, it's because they are, they're leaving it up to him as to how does he feel? How do you feel after each workout? Do you feel that you can run? Do you feel that you can go? And that's why they keep saying that it's day to day because it it depends on how he feels. So again, we're. All the fans want to know. All the people that are buying tickets or have bought tickets and want to resell the tickets, if he's not going to be there, they all want to know. And they're they're emailing him and writing on Twitter and asking me and asking. And honestly, all we can do is make you know talk to as many people as I can. I'm telling you that I do think he's going to play on Saturday, based on the people that I've spoken to, but all it would take was tomorrow he's at training and he pulls up and feels a little uncomfortable, and maybe he wouldn't play on Saturday. And then it looks like, you know, they were lying. So that's what Tata was saying is his dilemma. He doesn't uh, want to be called a liar. So let's hope, let's hope,
0: yeah. Let's hope Dr. Martino isn't confusing a scar with some kind of ligament tear or anything like that. And
1: you know, <laughs> exactly. and, 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 you know what I
0: mean? Because big difference, exactly. Maybe he's calling it that, but it's means something else. But, um, Michelle, the earlier question we asked about would this season be a failure? I mean, I don't know. Me personally, you're out there all the time. You've been through playoff intensity this entire season, which is which was unheard of for this team before that. So how can this season to, to a big degree not be a success? The fact that we're having this conversation right now and a team is on the cusp of the playoffs and a player like Messi showed up, right? I mean, I, I think that would have to be just quantify that right there. I, think, I was, I was oh, just thinking of that question just- earlier. Of, of how could this not be at least of some degree of success? You haven't seen this team from because, day one,
1: right? It's a success because a right away the one what all you have to say is the profile of this team, how it has risen this season, how many people care whether right. this is winning, whether they're playing, whether they're on Apple TV or not on a, any given night. Not that many people cared before Leo Messi and and all his little buddies showed up and Tata showed up. Um So yeah, just setting aside everything else, setting aside Leagues Cup, U.S. Open Cup, the fact that they're in the cups of the playoffs, the fact that people are walking around in pink shirts, the, pack, the fact that everyone knows what Inter Miami is now, that everyone knows when they see that pink jersey, oh, that's Messi's jersey, that's Inter Miami, everybody knows what that is now. One year ago, I had, you know, an exterminator come to the house and he had no idea what Inter Miami was, and he claimed <laughs> to be a soccer fan, you know, from, from another country. So, you know, the, the, the status and the profile of this team – have elevated immensely with the with the addition of Messi and, and Busquets and Alba and Tata. And uh, you know, so right there it's been a success. And then on the field, I still think it's been a success. Even if they don't make the playoffs, they've they're they're in the playoff conversation with three games to go. They won the Leagues Cup, they went 12 games unbeaten, and they were in the final of the US Open Cup. So how can you not call it
0: a success? I'm sorry, I'm picturing the exterminator saying the king is la camisa rosada, who's that pink jersey of
1: king? <laughs> i never seen Gang? that. Right.
0: <laughs> well, they're, they're household names now, not just in stateside, but all over Europe, all over countries around the world that keep uh their fans keep emailing you about uh the rules and every little detail and things like that. So yeah, exactly. Like what a boom for for this team and you know we'll be back. Michelle and I will be back next week to see if the dream is still alive after these next two matches, or are we already looking at 2024? But once again, I want to throw this, one yeah. last
1: thing. Can I just throw go one last it. thing in right go before for I go, it, really quick? I know we're running out of time. One thing that Tata said that I I put on Twitter, and there's been a lot of debate and discussion about it. So I just want to throw it out there. He said that he finds it last night. He said that he finds it very strange that that he has to keep telling the opposing team's fans and media why Messi isn't there. He said only because it's Messi and we're in the United States is this happening. He said if this were anywhere else in the world, the opposing team would be thrilled that the greatest player in the world is not going to be playing against them because it's a, chan- yeah. a- It's going to give them a better chance to win. Right. And, you know, the difference is in a way, he wasn't me not necessarily meaning to criticize the league, but to make a point, which I believe is actually a valid point, Those fans in all of these cities that are clamoring and paying huge dollars to see Messi, they are not fans of their local MLS team. And that's where MLS needs to elevate itself because those are Messi fans in Chicago, in New York, in Atlanta, in Orlando. Those are not fans of Orlando City. They're not fans of Chicago Fire. They're not fans of New York Red Bulls. Those are fans of Messi who happen to live in or near those cities and so they want they go to the stadium to see Messi it's like going to see a Taylor Swift concert they are going to see Messi they're not going to see the team and so that is why they feel that they're not getting what they were going to see around the world soccer fans are diehard fans of their local team and they want their team to win they are following the standings they want they don't want Messi in there to beat their team. They'd rather right. not beat Messi and have their team win. In this country, a lot of people in this country would rather see Messi out there and see Miami win and actually see Messi score two goals against their home team, which shows that the league still needs to build a fan base among the local fans in their community. And that is where Frank Klopas, the coach of Chicago, said he views this game last night, this four to one victory as a chance to maybe win over some of those fire fans, not fire fans, messy fans to maybe become fire fans and go buy a red shirt next time and don't show up in a pink shirt next year when they play Inter-Miami, show up in a red shirt. That is where MLS needs to evolve to in the future.
0: Right. And that's where, and we could spend the whole episode talking about that. Maybe we should down the road, spend an episode talking about that, but that's where Inter-Miami has the exact same problem. And you hope that they can have something sustainable where people will care about Inter Miami beyond just Messi. But you're right. It's a systematic problem up and down MLS that will take some time to get there. If they can get there, hopefully. I know we, we talked to Alexi Lalas about it the other day. And and you know, it's an interesting topic to follow for sure. But uh, but we'll be back, like we said. Uh, Michelle and I will be back to recap those two games next week and see if they still have a shot at getting in or is it over? Are we looking at next season? Remember, uh, we thank everybody for watching. Remember, you can catch us at MiamiHerald.com as well as YouTube. And you can listen to us on uh, Spotify, iTunes, any of your uh, favorite podcasters as well. So for Michelle Kaufman, I'm Andre Fernandez. Thanks for joining us as always on Inside Inter Miami.